superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This content factory we call The Rich Eisen Show. This is The Rich Eisen Show. And if you don't have a, a sense of excitement about this, I don't know what you're here for. The Rich Eisen Show with guest host Ryan Leaf. Can't tell you enough how much I love your show. Live, Live. from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Earlier on the show, Golf Channel host Rich Lerner. Still to come, Packers writer for the Green Bay Press-Gazette, Pete Doherty. From Sports Illustrated, John Wertheim. Plus, Frank Isola. And now... Sitting in for Rich, it's Ryan Lee. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hour 2 of the Rich Eisen Show. Rocking the Cougar gear today for all you Wazoo fans out there. I know everybody uh, wants to see that. Uh, uh, Pete Doherty is going to join us here in just a second. Uh, TJ Jefferson to my right. Michael Del Tufo, of course, as always. Chris Brockman, uh, you know, batting cleanup over there. Um, We were talking about the Green Bay Packers. Well, here we go. Pete Doherty from the Green Bay Press-Gazette joins us now to talk all things Packers. Welcome to the show, Pete. How you doing, buddy? Good. Good, Ryan. How are you today? I'm doing good. How uh, how are things going out there? Nothing to write about this summer, it looks like. Yeah, it's uh, the circus kind of came back to town. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just it's going to be kind of a dead period. I mean, there's going to be little snippets of news between now and the start of camp. But, you know, the next big date is whether he shows for the start of camp. And if he doesn't show for that, then it's whether he shows for the first game. And uh, even with the start of camp, that's when things will get really interesting if he if he doesn't show, because that'll begin to suggest how serious he really is about uh, wanting to get out of here. Yeah. Um, talking with Pete Doherty from the Green Bay Press-Gazette again about this Packers situation. Um, has it... Uh, I mean, you have your contacts, you, you have your sources and things like that, but is it... Is it leading to a, a possible return for the season because we haven't heard uh, haven't heard uh, Aaron Rodgers blatantly come out and say it uh, on the record like I do not want to be here I'm not going to be here we've heard it from different ways we've heard that he's had a problem with it with Kenny Maine on Sports Center but we haven't heard like that ultimatum like I'm done I'm out I'm not playing there again yeah we've heard it from surrogates <clears throat> so you know I believe that it's true to at least some degree that he wants out. But, you know, the real proof will be what kind of financial hit he's willing to take. Is he willing to, you know, sit out a season? Is he willing to even, you know, retire for a season or maybe longer? Um, so, I, you know, I believe it's true that there's 
you know, that he's he's pretty serious, but I waver. I keep going back and forth on whether he'll actually pull the trigger or not. I, you know, since this stuff broke, you know, right at the draft, I've been basically hovering around 60-40 that he won't be there. He won't be back and he won't be their quarterback this year. And just in the last week or so, I've kind of flip-flopped it to 60-40. He will be. Some of the things James Jones has been saying, you know, make me think maybe Rodgers, you know, is kind of laying a little groundwork for for coming back and having the plausible deniability you talked about there because he never actually has said, I definitely want out. Um, But, you know, on the other hand, Devontae Adams, you know, when he's talked about it, he's in touch with Rodgers. He he didn't seem super optimistic. So really the only people who might know might be, you know, Rodgers and his fiancée and his agent. And maybe even they aren't sure, you know, what the ultimate decision will be until it's time to make it. Uh, what What is Aaron Rodgers' legacy if he doesn't come back? If he decides to retire with three MVPs, a Super Bowl title, and, you know, essentially four NFC Championship losses that could have got him back, is it, uh, is it a place where uh, he's seen as the greatest Green Bay Packers quarterback of all time, or does he need that that other championship to exceed uh, Brett Favre and, and and get get to the same level as Bart Starr? Yeah, I would think um, he would need to win another championship to uh, get past Favre. You know, right now they're they're neck and neck. They each have their strengths. I mean, let's. I mean, they're both. I mean, Rodgers will be a no brain no brainer Hall of Famer if I'm still on the I'm a Hall of Fame voter if I'm still on the committee. My speech for you know, my presentation for him will be as long as it was for Favre, which was like nine seconds, I think. So <laughs> you know, right he'll he'll Rogers will go down as one of the great greatest peer passers uh the game has ever seen. Um a fantastic, you know, a great player, helped build the title town district out here, which is gonna be a you know, it's a business district next to Lambeau Field, which the Packers own. And it'll be a revenue stream for decades to come for this franchise. So it's you know it's done the franchise a lot. He'll he'll have all those things, but he'll also have you know the championship losses, some of which um, you know he bears little or no responsibility, but one or two of which he's right in the thick of being responsible for the loss. So you know it'll be a mix, but obviously you know push comes to shove, he's he goes down as one of the all-time great quarterbacks uh, if he were to quit right now, and you know. Like you say, I mean, he could have three to five real good years left. I mean, who knows? Uh, you know, they have a good team, or whoever else he might end up with, he could win another Super Bowl or two real easily. Yeah, if you look what Tom Brady did from age thirty-eight to forty-five, essentially forty-three, I think he would played for four championships. So that's, and I also think that has something to do with it. I, I think that Aaron saw what Tom was able to do, and I just don't know if there's a a landing spot for him that's a better place to win a championship than in Green Bay because uh, they need each other, right? Green Bay's win-loss record may be hovering around seven or, or eight wins without Aaron Rodgers, and that's, that's given a lot of credit to Jordan Love uh, as, a, as a essentially rookie quarterback if he gets the call. Um, this, this seems like a, uh, a, a terrible hill to die on because he found his voice this offseason when I thought – the perfect opportunity for him to voice his like dominance and like leadership and I'm the guy was in the NFC championship when he walked off the field and allowed the team to walk on and kick a field goal there. That was the moment and where he puts his hand up to LaFleur and says, no, 
if we're gonna if we're gonna lose this game, it's gonna be on my arm. I'm the leader. Here it is now. This is where I I I told the line, and I was I was shocked that 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 didn't happen. And then this off season is when he chose to kind of take the stand then uh, um, around his his what he thinks is his, his position with the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, and I you know. I mean, if Love is their quarterback, even if Love turns out to be a really, really good player, I mean, I think four or five wins is probably more wow. more, more realistic. I mean, they were Rodgers was in his fourth year in the league when he became a starter. And look how great he's turned out to be. And they went 6-10 and 10 his first year as a starter. So it's just tough sledding with a rookie or you know, with a really, really young quarterback who's never been a starter before, no matter, you know, no matter who the guy is. And yeah, I, I, for sure, this is their best. This is Rogers' best chance to win the Super Bowl, and obviously the Packers need him to win one. Uh, there's nobody that they'd be willing to trade him to now who would have a better chance than the Packers this year, for sure. And they're set up to be really good, you know, this year and probably next year, unless some strange things happen with uh, with serious injuries. And in that championship game, there were, you know, they had. There's plenty of responsibility to go around. There's that touchdown they gave up on the, basically the last play right. of the of the first half. Um, Dante Adams dropped a touchdown pass early that they on a third down, so they had to kick a field goal. Uh, Joe Aaron Jones fumbled on the first possession of the second half. That gave uh, the Bucks some free points. But, you know, the Packers did get the ball back twice on interceptions early in the fourth quarter, down five, and went three and out with six straight passes both times. And they got down there and had a chance to score and uh, he didn't get them in, so there's responsibility for for everybody in that game, and that you know one, that's one of the questions Rogers has to answer is what's to himself is what's more important is he does he want out so badly that he's willing to walk away from what will be his best chance to win a Super Bowl at least this year and maybe for the next couple of years he learned even in his in Lafleur's first season how hard it can be adjusting to an, a new offense they went 13 and three in Lafleur's first year. And thirteen and three last year, they were so much better. They were such a, b- a better team last season, and their offense was so much better. And one of the reasons was it was Rogers' second season in the offense, so he he had the thing down cold. Which even with a veteran guy who's been around forever and is a great player and is a really bright guy, there's still that adjustment period to a new offense. So if he goes to a new team, you know he's got to endure that too. We're talking with Pete Doherty from the Green Bay Press-Gazette about the Packers situation uh, around Aaron Rodgers. Now, let me ask you a question about Jordan Love, right? Because th- this guy didn't ask for any of this. He-, he came out of Utah State, just wanted to be a professional quarterback. He gets drafted by an organization which he should be incredibly proud of because they've had a, a-, a-, a lineage of great quarterback play. Uh, and how they've developed quarterbacks. Instead, he gets thrown into a mix where there's a feud between Rodgers and the front office. And then this year, Rodgers decides not to show up, which I think is the best thing for Jordan Love to get more snaps, but every practice is going to be over-scrutinized. So if he if he has a bad practice, it's going to be the end of the world. If he has a good practice, the, the hyperbolic uh, clamoring for this guy to, to be the guy then happens. It's, it's, it's really unfair to the young man. I know you decide to be a first-round draft pick, or you don't decide, you decide to go pro and you are a first-round draft pick. There comes with pressures. But it seems uh, incredibly unfair to a guy that had no say in any of this. It is, and um, I guess it's one of those many things in the world where, you know, I guess fairness has not doesn't have much to do with it. Right. It's just, it's just the way it is. And uh, he's got to live with it. But one thing, I mean, 
I, you are 100% right, and it doesn't hurt the Packers at all to not have Rodgers here this offseason. He doesn't need the, the work. Sure, you'd rather have him here than not, but he doesn't need the work with, with these guys. He can come in and two weeks into camp, he's right where he would have been anyway. So that's not an issue at all. Um, but Love got – I've never seen this. I've been covering this team since 93, and I've never seen this before. You know, always in, in practice that are open to the media, you know, training camp, mini camps, all that. If there's a 14-play period, the starter takes the first four, um, the backup will take two or three, and the number three will take one or two. You know, the patterns vary a little bit, but that's basically it. In this camp, Love took, in the mini camp where they were going full speed, he took 95 to 98% of the snaps. Uh, 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 somebody else on the beat, Rob Domofsky of ESPN, he counted up the snaps that he took, and he took Love took more snaps in the three-day mini camp than he took in all of training, in 11-on-11, than he took in all of training camp last year. So he got a ton of work, really valuable. You're right, it was so over-scrutinized. His first day was really unimpressive. I mean, it was just blah. He did nothing. Second day, he had four or five just really, really good throws. And you go, okay, this is what made this guy a first-round pick. And the third day was kind of in between. So you're right, every, and every day in camp is going to be scrutinized, but he's just He's just got to live with it and keep his eye on the target, which is, you know, becoming a better quarterback and getting himself ready to play in case he's needed. Pete Doherty again from the Green Bay Press-Gazette talking all thing Packers. Um, I talked about who blinks first in this scenario. The Green Bay Packers have absolutely, uh, um, I, I feel, have all the leverage here. They simply decide whether he'll be traded, whatever he wants to you know, where, wherever they want to trade him, if they decide to do that. Uh, if they feel like Jordan Love is, is improved enough where he can be a guy to lead them someplace early on, that that's, that's something. But I also think that, uh, to your point, Aaron could show up, uh, you know, the Monday of, of week one and uh, go to work and be the guy. I, I, I don't think he'd do that. I think he'd come maybe uh, the last week of the preseason. But you're 60-40, uh, in terms of him playing for the Packers, mine mine verges more on the 80-20. I, I think he's back. I think he wants to win that second championship. This is the best uh, opportunity for him to do it, and I think it would be incredibly powerful if, if he were able to do it uh, uh, You know, and, and show Ryan Gutenkutz that it, it doesn't matter. It, you know, it doesn't matter uh, – I'm the I'm the, the the straw that stirs the drink, and, and you're going to see why when this is all said and done. Yeah, you know, and when and throwing those numbers around, you're you're probably right. And but and I just the the thing that gives me pause is, you know, I think it was Mike Freeman who were, used to work for the New York Times. I think it's with Bleacher Report uh, now. About a year ago or so, he wrote about Rogers. You know, and he called him a world class grudge holder, and he's right. And so. You know, I don't want to underestimate if you cross him and he just really feels like he's been wronged. I don't want to underestimate the chances that he might actually follow through. But you're probably right. It probably is more 80-20. He has, he has all the leverage. Or, I mean, the Packers have, uh, have almost all the leverage on this. Um, but, I, you know, I kind of think of some nightmare scenarios where – you know, he let's say he shows up. I think they have until a player has until week like it's nine or ten, I think, where if they show up by then, then the season counts on their contract, so it's an accrued season, and so he'll be another season into his contract. And so if he shows up then, 
they'll have half a season in. And, you know, if, if Love or whoever's playing is playing okay, then, do you, you know, I would assume you'd still put Rodgers in. But what if they're already out of the playoff race? So there might be a point where if he does sit maybe early in the season, they would trade him, maybe even in camp if they got an offer that just blew their socks off. Um, you know, maybe they would they would do the deal then. So, I, you know, I always keep that in mind. But you're probably right. Probably is more 80-20 that, he, that he's their quarterback. But I just have that little voice in the back of my head about, you know, be cautious. You never know, you know, how far he might be willing to go on this. So that's why I go with 60-40. It's probably. It's probably just uh, being overly cautious on that. Well, uh, it's going to be an interesting, uh, you know, 90 plus plus days, I think, uh, before that Thursday night kickoff where we're at. Camp is about to kick off in, what, about five weeks or so for the Green Bay Packers. We'll know a little more then. I want you to take some rest because your, uh, your computer fingers are going to need it uh, to type out these stories every single day. It's going to be high drama. It is. You know, I was here, obviously, when um, all the Favre stuff happened, and Rodgers was in the Jordan Love position at that time, and it was wild. And when Roger, and when Favre showed up, I'd, I'd never missed a training camp practice. I missed the full first week because I had to be in the office working the phones, figuring out Favre. And it does make you wonder if this is going to be something like that or if uh, maybe I, I think it's July 27th is when camp is supposed to start reporting date. You know, maybe he shows up then and it's all kind of put on hold, semi-hold, until uh, till next February or March. Well, we're looking forward to it. I really appreciate you taking the time. Pete Doherty from the Green Bay Press-Gazette joining us talking all things uh, Packers. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ryan. Well, I mean, this has been a, this has been a conversation for all of us. I, I, you know, I was hosting the Thursday edition of the Rich Eisen Show that day. That's right. You remember? And it, it broke right at the end of the show. And so all day Friday, this was the, the conversation we had. It's all we talked about, guys. And then we're still talking about it, right? Um, nothing's changed. He gave up uh, half a million dollars uh, and, and a workout bonus. Now, the reason why this is so much and why it's so newsworthy is because he's been an incredible um, – participant in all things off season during his entire career picking up those roster or picking up those workout bonuses but being with his teammates he's always this was the first year that his absence has been clearly uh, pronounced you know he's got a new uh, family life right uh, newly engaged uh, Hollywood starlet in Ho- in Hawaii you know with uh, social media photos that are that are out there um, I mean if I'm a it's just got to be awkward where a guy that makes four hundred eighty-five thousand dollars for his for his league minimum playing football just watched their quarterback like say screw it to half a million to just not show up and work out for three days. Right. You know, uh, it's little little interesting. So uh, we're going to dive more into the NFL in terms of what we're expecting from players this next year. What players need to make that leap, either entering the league last year as rookies or guys that are established that have had some down years that need a huge leap forward for their new teams or for their current teams. As well as the NBA, we're going to talk to Frank Isola a little bit later. Uh, All three um, remaining playoff series are all tied 2-2, knotted up. And we have some big news that just broke for tonight's game. That's what we call people in the business a tease. Big news. Tease from Chris Brockman. (laughs) You're listening to The Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Leaf. We'll be right back.
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. True or false, you have a two-year diploma in architectural drafting. Is that true or false? It's a certificate, and it was one year. Just one year? One year, yeah. They they crammed four years into one year. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever have designs, if you will, on being an no. architect at all? I was doing it. I was into it. Then, like, the stuff we were doing with NWA started taking off. Okay. And the last thing I wanted to do was be at that school. <laughs> I was ready to leave. You were ready to take off. But I, but I, you know, stuck it out. I graduated, got my certificate, and I think, you know, my mother hung it up somewhere, but I never looked at that thing since. Which school was this? Which it was, was called Phoenix Institute of Technology. I don't even know if it's there no more. It's P-I-T? Like P-I-T. Yep. Man. A fake DeVry. <laughs> <laughs> fake DeVry. Yeah, it's like a fake DeVry. Okay. Uh, here's another. I got two more. Uh, next one. You got the name Ice Cube from your brother because girls were calling the house asking for you all the time and that you were too cool for your age. True or false? They were calling for him. It's true. They were calling for him and I would pick up. You know, trying to holler at him. You know, I was like, man, he got a big head. You don't want to be with him. You want to be with me. I'm, I'm a little bro, bro. And uh, he found out. And back in the day, they would, you know, if you had an old refrigerator, they would put it on the curb and, you know, the junk man would come pick it up. And, and we had one on the curb down the street that was there for days. He was like, you know what? Slam your ass in that freezer on the, at the end of the block. When they pull you out, you're going to be ice cube. You know, kids die in freezers, right? So so uh, when I walked out the house, you know, I didn't want nobody to call me O'Shea no more. I'm like, my name Ice Cube. And so it just stuck. They started calling me Cube and never called me O'Shea since. <laughs> yeah. Last one. Uh, Jerry Curl wigs used in Straight Outta Compton were valued at $15,000 each. Man, I'm supposed to know about a Jerry Curl wig. We had the real deal. (laughs) You know what I mean? Jerry did our curls back in the day. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know about wigs and how much they cost. I'm pretty sure they're expensive. And I've heard about gangs going in and stealing, like, wigs and extensions out of, like, nail shops and hair shops. So... I don't think they cost 15000 If they did, somebody got beat. Because I'm weird. Someone was kind of tired. They needed work. Well, I'm just wondering if you were a producer of the film, you had to you had to okay whether the wigs were yeah, I did. passable or not. Yeah, I did. I did. I was really uh, pretty anal about that because some Jerry Curl wigs can look comical. And it's, this was not, no comedy, you know? So yeah. we had to make sure they looked right and it didn't look like... You know, the Soul Glow family from uh, Coming to America. (laughs) (laughs) 
Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. Today was a good day. A little ice yeah, yeah. cube there. Hey, yeah. yeah. Um, TJ Jefferson with us, Michael Del Tufo, uh, Chris Brockman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to get to some big time NBA breaking news about tonight's ball games. But first, um, we just got done talking with Pete Doherty about the Aaron Rodgers situation. We actually got to hear from Aaron Rodgers today. He was on a Zoom promotional uh, call with Phil Mickelson, Bryson DeChambeau, and uh, Tom Brady. And Brian Anderson, who was the host, asked Mr. Rodgers, what have you been up to? Very nice. Well, let's go from one quarterback to the other. Aaron Rodgers, the reigning MVP of the NFL. Aaron, some Hawaiian resort set up there. It looks like you're having a great time. You've really kept a low profile this offseason. I've hardly seen your name at all. You haven't hosted any TV shows or been in any involved in any kind of controversy or anything. It's been a nice, peaceful offseason for you, it sounds like, AR. It's been, yeah, it's, thank you, B.A. It's been one of those quiet off-seasons you just dream about where you can just kind of go through your process uh, on your own quietly. And, um, you know, that's all you can ask for as an older player in the league and someone who's been around for a long time and just enjoys that time to yourself to just relax, to not be bothered, to not have any obligations or anything going on. And, you know, I think that's what this off-season has been about. It's been about really enjoying my time and spending it where I want to spend it and not feeling like I have to go anywhere, not having any responsibilities, but still being an NFL player at the same time. It's been great. (laughs) (laughs) What jumps out at you, Ryan Leaf, about uh, Aaron Rodgers right there? The hair? Not the I'm offended t-shirt he's got on? Oh, the blatant (laughs) blatant, uh, in-your-face. Fantastic. Uh, Come on. I mean, dude. uh, So uh, good. I mean, it, it's the only background of any of them that looks like, hey, this guy could either be an NFL quarterback or maybe just like a homeless surfer dude in Hawaii. <laughs> and that's maybe what it is. Dude, I'm a bro. I'm offended. I mean, it's a, mean, a great look. Right? I, I'm jealous of the hair. Well, obviously. Obviously. I mean, that's <laughs> – we're looking at the hairdo right now on my end of things here. Um, I mean, you're talking hair, you know what I mean. What do we think about um, – I mean, just the abstract uh, way he's gone about this offseason. To Pete Doherty's comments about there's been surrogates. There have been people who have been talking about it. There have been the team that has been talking about it. There's media that's talking about it. But we have not actually heard Aaron Rodgers blatantly say the things that others have said. That leads me to believe that, hey, uh, at the end, he's got that plausible deniability of, Right. I, I, didn't, I didn't say I didn't say I wasn't. Yeah. I just wanted some time alone. I was a little frustrated with how the season ended, uh, how things have gone. But hey, you know, I wanted to spend some time with my new fiance, enjoy the off season, and get ready for another championship run. They're right there. I'm a consultant. All right. That's <laughs> it, it, people. If you're looking for ways to kind of get back in the good graces of people after a uh, whatever, and this is a very low bar for Aaron <laughs> Rodgers and compared to my bar. Uh, but uh, that's that's the answer right there, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the answer on the first day of training camp for him. Hey, much. great off season. You guys were really up in my business, but I enjoyed my time alone. I'm excited to be back here. I uh, was disappointed in how the season ended last year. Uh, I think this is the best opportunity for me to win a championship, and we're going to move forward with that thought process. You can pay me 
Ram Consultant uh, Inc., everybody, uh, if you need any of that help. Um, Solve a lot of problems if he just did that, but he's going, he's going about it a different way. He's offended. Clearly. 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 Blatantly in front quite, of everything. Quite literally. Yes. Uh, right in front of everybody. Uh, we'll see where that plays out. Uh, you know, there was some joy, uh, joyful back and forth banter between the between the four of them about this uh, um, this exhibition up in Montana. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Montana before, my home state, but where they're going to play uh, up at Big Sky, it is gorgeous. It's about 70 miles from Bozeman, where the Montana State University is, and it's a ski resort. Uh, since probably 20 years ago, uh, a developer came in and built these this beautiful uh, uh, club, the Yellowstone Club, uh, Moonlight Basin. And we used to spend a lot of winters skiing up there and then summers as well because they got some amazing golf courses too. So this should be a really um, well-photographed event. Uh, we'll see how uh, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady play in this type of thing. Um, it's going to be awesome. I can't, it's going to be. It's, it's I, always I so much fun to watch those things. Yeah. I cannot wait for this. I, I, want, I want two pro golfers always in it. I did not like... Uh, I think it was the the second to last one. I don't know when when it was Barkley, Curry, Peyton, and Phil. I want two pro golfers in it too. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Yeah, need. I like the, I like the way they've kind of done it with one pro, one you know superstar athlete. And right. Yeah. They just right. play against each other. Um, it's fun. You and I play a lot of golf together. We do. You are much better than me, but I'm I'm getting there. I'm improving. But we have a lot of fun. Yeah, that's yeah. the most important thing. It is. Um, it is the. And it's, it's been a while. I think it was like around the first of April since we played last Jeez. time, buddy. Uh, let's go. It was a fun day. Um, I was over there uh, putting a little bit before the show started, and and you um, you suggested that this next year I just kind of kind of firm up my game and then just for the fun of it, because to see where see how, how much different a pro golfer is from a single-digit handicapper. Yeah, so what are you handicapped these I'm days? I'm a 1.5 right now. That is insane. That is ridiculous. And so, you know, when you have a handicap that low, everyone probably get, gets on you from time to time, like, you, you ever try to qualify? You ever try to qualify for the U.S. Open? You're going to play in the Cal-Am? And I think you should just lock in for the next year. U.S. Opens this week. We have one year lock in, see how low you can go, and let's try to qualify next year. Let's do it. I like the idea just so I can test myself and kind of give me a goal that, that's out there. We can document it, TJ. We can, we can find a way to document yes, it. Yes, indeed. Um, make it a part of uh, maybe a, a check-in uh, from time to time here on the Rich Eisen Show to see the development, see where we're at. Uh, my, my, my game doesn't travel incredibly well from my home course. My home course is kind of gimmicky. It's short. But then, you know, we went out to Rustic uh, a couple weeks ago, and, and I threw up a 270 that's with you. That's what I'm saying. So, um, and that's a long course. If, you've, if you live in Southern California, you know Rustic Canyon, it's long. You, play, you play the blues, that's like 6,600 yards. I, uh, uh, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Joel Klatt this year tried to qualify. Uh, he's a single-digit handicapper, yep. uh, and he got, um, he got humbled. Yeah, he, got, yeah, he blew up. Yeah, I mean that's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen with For me sure. too. Uh, sure. I know it is, but I think it's uh, it's a good test. And I just turned forty five, and and why not? Next why not? year, next year's open is in Brookline, Massachusetts. So let, let's get uh, let's get the clock right. going. This is we're on the record now. Everybody who's watching, who's part of the show, I'm going to try to qualify for the U.S. Open. Yeah, next year. yeah. yeah. Let's go. 
I'll go to caddy school for you, Ryan. You and Johnny Manziel. I'm in. Brockman already called the bag, though, Mike. Yeah, Mike, I'm already on the bag. Like, yeah. Did you miss that conversation? You can DJ that. the event, though, bro. Of course. I'm sad now. Mike, you can create the playlist to... The, oh, that's also very important. You know what I'm saying? I'll heckle you guys on the course. I purchased <laughs> this. I purchased this. Uh, um, this item from Bushnell called the Wingman. I don't know if you you guys have heard of it. It is a speaker, but it's also a GPS. So I've, the speaker, the thing. speaker, uh, it has a has a magnet that sticks very on securely cart. on the golf cart, right? And it plays music with a with with great sound, and then when you get to your spot, you hit a little button. It's a little remote, either it's in your hand or on top of the thing. You hit the button, and it tells you the yardage to the center, to the front, and to the back. Greatest thing in the world, everybody. <laughs> Greatest thing in the world I purchased this last year, uh, other than Disneyland tickets for my son. I guess that's probably another thing. <laughs> well, um, done. well done. Okay, right. we 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 tease yes, this. Let's get to it. We tease this. I'm going to go to Brockman for this breaking news right now because I think it's important for everybody to know. Yeah, huge NBA news. Let's go. NBA tonight, there's one game on the docket. Milwaukee in Brooklyn, game five. It is pivotal because it's 2-2 right now. And James Harden looks like he is going to go tonight. According to Shams, Harden plans to play game five, barring a setback in pregame warm-ups. He is now questionable. Daniel LaRusso's going to fight? Daniel LaRusso is going to fight. Miyagi-Do correct. This little, changes everything. A this, little Miyagi-Do massage on the on the hamstring? He must have got something. I mean, it's, it's been a while, obviously. One minute into game one, he goes down. Hasn't been back out there yet. He's going to go tonight in a must-win for the Brooklyn Nets. Their backs are against the wall, TJ. You think it's a must-win, though? Well, I guess every game at this point is. Well, it's not a must-win because the series doesn't end. Yeah. But to his point, there's it's clear. If they lose in Brooklyn, it's doubtful that they're yeah. going to go to Milwaukee and find a way to figure it out. Yeah. And plus, with the, the way they've shot, the way they've scored, the, these games have been so low scoring the last couple in Milwaukee. And your, your initial thought is if you sat out that long without any basketball activity, it's hard to just jump on the court right. and ball. But, you know, these guys are anomalies, right? Yeah. So uh, who knows? I'd be worried. I mean, hamstrings, obviously, soft tissue, easily re-aggravated, yeah. easily retweaked again. I'd be worried about James maybe trying to push it, feeling a little pressure. It's a huge game. Kevin Durant's not going to do it himself. We saw what happened mm-hmm. when Kyrie went down in game four. Man, oh man, the line has already moved one point in case you care about those things. On this news, Milwaukee's still the favorite tonight. Milwaukee's the favorite in Brooklyn, huh? I would expect Milwaukee to win just the way they've looked the last couple of games. The defense they've played against Brooklyn. Joe Harris suddenly now can't shoot. Um, Chris Middleton playing good defense on Kevin Durant, which is impossible to do. Maybe the greatest scorer ever in the NBA. This is a huge game tonight, and Harden playing is big. Is big news. This it is this is big. It's it, it is big news and game changing. Uh, just two games ago, you thought the Brooklyn Nets were unbeatable. Uh, unbeatable. We're, we're going to be the NBA champions this year. Even with two of these guys at full strength, it didn't look like Milwaukee had any answer. Especially in those first two games. Yeah. yeah. And then James goes down. Now Kyrie goes down. Can Durant do it himself? I mean, the memes that people have been throwing out. Like Durant on this Nets team by himself. Ooh, what was it? The 05 Cavs with LeBron and like Joe Smith and all these dudes. <laughs> like, 
It's kind of accurate in a way. I it's mean, incredibly accurate. Well, I mean, they got I, some good guys on the bench that were were great players everywhere else that have become role but players. Kyrie's not. I mean, excuse me, KD's not going to score seventy tonight and, and to carry this team. So he needs a running mate. Well, especially but, when the when the Bucks in their defense keep this team uh, to eighty two points. Jeez, unheard of. Unheard of. The, the, in the greatest offense. Uh, their offensive efficiency rating is number one all time told, when all three of them are out there. And I told you that on Friday. Like you just said, the Joe Harris's, the, you know, these guys are good players. Good but players, but they're not necessarily, you're not looking at them as this is the greatest team ever and they're unbeatable right. without the three of them on the court now. They're Hart. asked to do their part. They are Steve yes. Kerr, they are John Paxton. And they do it. They yeah. do it. But when you lose Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman, right? Right? Then. You're all alone, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter because as as great as Michael Jordan was uh, in the '90s when they won six championships, if he doesn't have Scottie Pippen, if he doesn't have Dennis Rodman, he doesn't have six championships. Right? Yeah. You need you need these teammates. It's just no matter what, it was just differently done in the '90s and the '80s. Right? The teams were put together as a uh, general manager did right through the draft things like that like James Worthy Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Magic Johnson became a nucleus from playing together the Boston Celtics and Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale and Larry Bird all those they came together it wasn't done as high level free agents in the offseason jumping ship and going somewhere to play a la you know the Miami trio and Bosch and Wade and, and, and LeBron so it, it's different but it's still the same you still need more than one superhero Right, you need a couple superheroes to get it get it done. That's why it's so interesting to see what the Phoenix Suns have done. Right, uh, they have a number one overall draft pick in DeAndre Ayton from a few years ago, and he's not really the focal point of the team. Booker has been exceptional, and Chris Ball just took out the MVP and made a case for him as the actual MVP <laughs> right. this year. And they're the only team that's sitting at home watching all these other tournament, all these other um, series play out. We just got done talking about the Nets and the Bucks who play tonight. Last night, we saw the Atlanta Hawks crawl back even with the Philadelphia 76ers. Talk about that a little bit, Chris, because you filled me in before the game about how they were down by 20 and the absolutely impressive uh, nature of Joel Embiid's second half. And and TJ, too, I would love to get... I know. I'm sorry your team lost last night, Philly. So good. Clippers did win, so you were 1-1 last night. And the Mets won. And the Mets won. Two out of three. Ain't bad, as we know. (laughs) But your emotions watching the Hawks last night and and the Sixers, you have a 20-point lead in the second quarter, Mm -hmm. and then it just slowly withers away, withers away, withers away, and suddenly it's tied, and now it's just like one point back and forth, back and forth. Embiid, there have been, I saw this amazing stat last night, 805 instances during this NBA season Mm -hmm. where a player took 12 shots in the second half, at least 12 shots. The first instance all year last night where a player didn't make a shot, and that was Joel Embiid. What happened in the second half last night? It, I mean, it's really hard to say. Is it, you know, he's feeling the effects of the knee injury? Is He did take a couple falls last night. He took night a couple falls. Kind of like, whoa. Yeah. Um, is, is he, you know, has he not been able to get in, in shape? I, it's hard to... 
hard to really say what happened, but you said 805 games, 805. Right? So statistically speaking, this is not going to happen not again happen for again. a while, right? Very unlikely just, that it'll happen just again. Just like in game one with the Hawks when I said, sure, if they hit 23s every game, then great. They're going to win the series, right. but I don't see that happening. I don't see Joel Embiid going 0 for 12 ever again in a crucial playoff game. And it also seems as though when the Hawks win, man, it's a it's a battle. They're like, you know, round 12 and they're giving it everything they And they, they really got. have to climb back in. Yeah. They have to make all the little plays, all the little hustle plays, the 50-50 balls But when the Sixers are winning games, way. it's like we're, you know, we're stomping them out. So I, I still believe, and I, I said a few days ago, Sixers and Six, I still believe that's how it's going to happen. I don't see Joel having, you know, a, a second half like he had yesterday. And yeah. I don't know what you put that on. He was missing layups. He was missing jumpers. Um, and it's just weird because he was so dominant up until yesterday's game. You know what? And you and I have talked about this before uh, when it comes to Embiid. Dominant big man, maybe the most dominant big man in the NBA right now. But when he stands outside and and settles for three-point shots, That's, yeah. it just makes you shake your head like, bro, you can do anything inside over anyone inside. Just do it. And maybe you felt this way watching as well, TJ, Ryan. I felt like Embiid kind of took more threes than he had in recent games, maybe in this series. It felt like he was settling for that outside jumper when he didn't have to. I mean, he only took four threes and over the course of the series. Four too many. Eight, 11. I mean, he can shoot the three. Yeah, he can. And he went one for four. He was one for three the game before that and two for five the game before that. So he has cut down on his three-point shooting. I just think it was just one of those games, man. He may have gassed. The knee may have been bothering him. Yeah. He did not look right. And, you know, what we've seen up from him up until last night shows you that I don't see this continuing, and I still believe the Sixers are the more talented team, and they're going to win this They series. should be. They're the number one seed. Uh, you know, Do this... you guys like watching Trey Young? Do you like what Trey brings to the table? Is he fun watch for you? Yeah. He's kind of a polarizing yeah. NBA figure right now. He's a little dude like. who's out there dropping bombs, and, you know, and, and by the way, yesterday he had a total complete game with 18 dimes. Oh, unbelievable. He's, having, he's kind of having a uh, Dame Lillard moment, I feel like. You know, playoff basketball, really being a small, undersized guy, getting it done. Yeah. You know, that's kind of what Dame's story has been for the last five years in the NBA. Just not good enough team to get to the to the highest level of the NBA playoffs, but he's been exceptionally special. And, and Trey Young's kind of doing something similar. Yeah. Well, go- Trey didn't shoot the ball well yesterday he at didn't. all either. It was 8 of 26. But he was, I mean, so. people, were, uh, John Morant tweeted about it last night. He was finding guys. Yeah, I mean, he made up for it for the with the eighteen assists. So yeah. even though he wasn't shooting well, and he, he ended up with twenty five, but it, those eighteen dimes. I mean, it's funny they're playing against the seventy sixers because he does have a little Iverson in him in terms of playmaking. The way he gets himself into the lane, he kind of throws his body against the you know against these big trees inside. It's yeah. really fun to watch. Well, you know me, I'm I'm on the Allen Iverson on my Mount Rushmore. Of, greatness so I, I can't put him there i'm yet. just saying he, they play they play kind of similar and it's kind of just kind of funny playing against yeah. philadelphia in this series all right well uh, uh we have one more nba game to talk about uh our series to talk about but uh, uh we're gonna go to a quick break and when we get back we're getting a little check-in from miami dolphins minicamp when we return here to the rich eisen show i'm ryan leaf we'll be right back 
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. I always like to think that I'm his most favorite person in the room. But when the Vince Lombardi trophy is sitting between the two of us, I yeah, think I lose. Low. I think I lose out. <laughs> hey. Michael Irvin, right? I think I lose out to this hey. baby, right? It's so funny you start with this because I'm going to tell you something, man. Yes. I, I When I was playing, I made a pact that I would never go to a Super Bowl until I play in the Super Bowl. Okay. Every guest that comes here, they're going to get Super Bowl questions. That's why I always say I would never go to a Super Bowl until after I play in a Super Bowl. So I would not have people like Rich Eisen asking me questions that I cannot answer. Now, what do you want to ask, Rich? Because I'm prepared to answer since I won three of these things. So what was it like picking this trophy up for the first time? It was the greatest thing. And it really was, Rich. It really was the greatest thing. Do you remember the circumstances? Oh, my God, man. First of all, you got to go back and think about, like, we were 1 and 15. We were 3 and 13, 1 and 15. When you're 3 and 13 and 1 and 15 Cleveland Browns, I know you don't think there's any chance that you will ever lay a hold of something like this. So to go from those days to coming in 92 and winning that Super Bowl and actually somebody handing you that trophy, the most incredible thing, most incredible feeling in the world. Did you ever step in when you heard that Jimmy and Jerry were not doing well or you just you, your station wasn't that I, life I just, at that point in time? I just didn't think time. anything would happen, Rich. I really didn't. I was like, well, you, you, you are you joking? You know how hard it is to win Super Bowls and, and you have a formula that's working and, and then when it happens, like, oh my God. Like, you know, I, I should have done this. Maybe I should have talked to him. I should have tried this. I should have tried that. Jerry Jones, I'm telling you, that's, that's the one thing. I'll never forget Jerry Jones telling me that when I was negotiating with him. And I was saying, you know, I'll, I'll go to Cincinnati. And it was just, I'm just talking, trying to get my monies up. I said, I'll go to Cincinnati. You can get Carl Pickens over here and let's see what happens. And Jerry said to me, there, Jerry said, Michael, you know, when I see you, I see Michael Irvin and the Dallas Cowboys. He said, I kind of see it like Magic Johnson in the Lakers. He said, what is magic without the Lakers? And what are the Lakers without the magic? He said, you guys, they belong together, just like you and the Cowboys. He said, Michael, the best way I can tell you, if a bomb hit Valley Ranch today, that's where we practice, and blew everything up, everybody, everything. When the smoke clears, baby, me and you, we gonna still be here. So we might as well work this deal out right now. So, that's what he said to you? I promise you, I said, this dude is a fool. This dude is a fool. He had me laughing as he was telling me no about my money. <laughs> that's why you're in the Hall of Fame together.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. I am not Rich Eisen. I am Ryan Lee filling in. I am uh, I'm the closer, apparently, here in L.A. I love it. Who would have known moving to Los Angeles would have been the best thing for me for job perspective, you know? Because when Rich Eisen needs a little break, who does he call? The kid. The Ghostbusters. The kid. I would, I would yeah. say everyone in this room can attest moving to L.A. was the greatest thing we yeah. did in our lives. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, mine, uh, we're going to the, gonna get to the Miami Dolphins story here it. in a second. But it was for me, right? Um, I walked out of prison December 3rd, 2014, with no idea what the hell was ahead of me. I had no money. I had no... Were you in Montana? Yes. Yeah. I had no job opportunities. Um, women weren't lined up around the corners <laughs> to date me, right? Ryan, let me ask you. you at, last time you were here, you said something and it stuck with me. You said, tell me the amount of time it was that you didn't go outside. I was in prison for 32 months and I went outside twice. In 32 months, you, you physically... April, April 10th, both years. I don't know why that date, uh, the first time I was asked by a, a fellow inmate uh, to come out and play football with them. Like it was a, like the freaking longest yard, you know, and I was <laughs> Bruce Reynolds. Or, um, uh, Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds, sorry. And, uh, and I remember walking out there, and they made me all-time quarterback, and I'm in this, I can see the mountains that I grew up in hunting mm-hmm. through razor wire, and it was just humiliating. I did it. Uh, the guards were all talking about it. I could hear the walkie-talkie squawking, hey, leave out your throwing passes. Uh, and I felt so humiliated and worthless. And I remember when I walked back to the the my room, I said to my, I'm not going outside again. Wow. I'm not going to do that. Um, and even after that evening, one of the guys that asked me to come out walked up to me and he said, dude, today was my birthday. That was absolutely the coolest thing I've ever got to do. I got to play catch with an NFL quarterback. I still couldn't hear it. I still couldn't hear that this was about something else, somebody else, what I could do for some. I was still so invested in me and how it made me feel and everything like that. It kept me from going back outside for another year. I went back out April 10th of the next year just because I thought it was cute. It was the anniversary, and I went and sat on my butt in the dirt, looked up again at the mountains through the razor wire, and... uh, and uh, and so when I walked out of there on that date, mom and dad were there to pick me up. Nothing. I had nothing. I tried to implore my parole officer uh, to let me go do treatment down in Southern California. He wouldn't have it, um, which is interesting. You know, somebody wants to go get help and get and they don't do it because they never see that. Right. It's a precedent. Guys who are institu- in an institution, when they get out, they don't want to go to another institution. They want to be free. So it was unfamiliar to him. But about three months later, he acquiesced. He must have seen like the work I was doing, the person I'd become, and he let me go to treatment down here in, in Los Angeles. And luckily for me, I got down here. I met the people that are in my life now who have continued to be in my life, and this world has just opened up to me. It really has. And one of them has been Rich, uh, who has supported me um, from the beginning and uh, given me the opportunity I know we wanted to talk a little uh, NFL. We're going to get to that in a little bit later. But now this seems like it's Ryan's story time, which we get into here on the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, I, I started working for a uh, sober living environment called Transcend Recovery. And I tell you this story simply because I walked in. He offered me the job, 15 bucks an hour. 
And the only reason I tell you that is because I was making $5 million a year, people, and was miserable. I was a miserable human being to be around. I was a bad person. And I had just been offered a job for 15 bucks an hour and felt more value than I'd ever felt in my life. So clearly what I thought success was, was wrong. What ultimately I found success to be is accountability, owning what you've done and understanding that it's something you did. It's not something you are. Uh, spirituality, knowing that there's something bigger out there for me uh, who's guiding me. And it certainly has been the case. There's no reason why I should be here looking at you, uh, talking to you on the radio, hosting a show uh, in place of Rich Eisen and a community. And that's the part of this that's involved, right? When I was a player, I thought I was better than everybody else. When I was uh, uh, in the NFL, I just thought I was a better person because I could play this silly game. In the lowest of the lows, I didn't want anybody to know I was this, you know, filthy, uh, you know, drug fiend. Um, so I didn't have a community. And Los Angeles has been that. The recovery community is absolutely amazing. And I'm right in the middle of it. And then that branches out in different directions. Uh, I went to look for different kind of goals and things professionally. And so the relationship with Rich blossomed into relationships with all of you. And we spend time outside of this, um, this studio. We share times with our families, with our significant others. It's a community. Um, and so those three things I just said to you, you know, accountability, spirituality, and community, that's, that's what I, I see success is. I don't see success as money and power and prestige. And I thought that's the end-all, be-all when I, when I got to the NFL. There were many things that I could have done differently. Um, but being able to come to Los Angeles, and thank you to the government of California because you accepted my parole to transfer <laughs> to California. If that doesn't happen, I have to find another state to accept me because I couldn't stay in Montana. That was as toxic of an environment as I could. So I had to find another state. If I wasn't able to stay here and go mm -hmm. through this process, I was, I was headed to Arizona. Uh, Arizona had accepted me. My college roommate owns a string of... Uh, workout gyms there called Knockout Fitness, and he was going to make me uh, a manager. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was going to do. So it's, com it's unbelievably interesting to see uh, what the state of California has done for me and what it's given me. And so, therefore, I try to give in return. Uh, I teased the Miami Dolphins conversation. We're going to get to that mm -hmm. when we get back on the other side, as well as talk to John uh, Wertheim about the French Open and his new book, Glory Days. You have been uh, listening to the Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Lee, filling in for Rich, and we'll be right back after this commercial break. Thank you. All right. Peacock. And next year, we're going to make the U.S. Open. Yes. And now we're going to qualify in the state of California. Can you dig it? No, it was a little story time. I get sentimental about it with you guys. You guys know that yeah, uh, when I come on this show. Um it's just a ton of gratitude. I have a ton of gratitude around this because um, of what it's afforded me. Because your your guys' platform is huge. Like the reach you have, what Rich has uh, set up here with you guys uh, is substantial. You know, I love, I look at some of the comments from people on Twitter and they love that uh, what I what I do in place of Rich, not, and that uh, this is something that I like to do and, and I'd love to do in the future. And therefore, um, people think it would be good for me to do it. Peacock TV, I know you got to fill content from time to time. Wouldn't it be cool if I, you followed a show with the Ryan D. Leaf show after, after Rich Eisen? <laughs> I don't know. 
Again, you don't have to pay me anything. I'll do it for free. <laughs> um, uh, I love what I do. Uh, I love that uh, you guys are a part of it. Um, I, I mean, no one I get to wait, set the alarm for 6 a.m. this morning uh, coming out here. I just, you know, popped right up. It's just it's just one of those things. Look forward to it when, uh, when Rich texts me and says, hey, can you fill in on Tuesday? And I'm just like, like, you don't even have to text me, man. You just got to go, hey, Ryan, you're in on Tuesday morning. Boom. Boom. Hell yes, <laughs> I am. Let's do it. Um, the the breaking news, well, kind of the news out of out of Miami is is the play of Tua Tagovailoa in their mini camp. Um, Joe Shad is uh, telling us that it's been a bit of a struggle. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa has thrown five interceptions on the first day of Dolphins mini camp. Now I said something to you guys pre-show. I was looking at the con- I was looking at the schedule for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, next season all right and it is uh it's it's brutal right around week five okay right around week five we have a situation where uh they start with the patriots in week one the bills in week two. Oh my gosh those are two losses could be at the raiders but then the colts and the buccaneers that's the first five games i'm telling you right now this is not a uh huge going out of the limb here but Jacoby Brissett, I think, is going to be your starting quarterback after week five That's, in Miami. Is that 0-5 or 1-4 Maybe 1-4 at best. Yikes. We'll see how that plays out. When we come back, we'll talk to John Wertheim from 60 Minutes about the French Open and his new book, Glory Days. Uh, you're listening to the Rich Eisen Show here on Peacock TV. I'm Ryan Lee filling in for Rich. We'll be right back. <laughs> 